What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the future of entrepreneurship of Prop G Pod, special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? It's the Monday Water Cooler Chat on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast, where we get you through all of the news surrounding the NFL, the Cincinnati Bengals, the AFC North. Usually I run this thing solo, but I am joined by my usual co-host, John Sheeran, and a very special guest, which we will get to in just a second. But John, happy Monday, man. How are things going? Happy Monday, man. Um, Things are going good. The sun is out. I am one half of the way vaccinated from COVID-19, you know, just good vibes right now. I like it. I like it. Well, we do have a very special guest as, as we teased here. I'm going to let my esteemed co-host introduce him, but we're very excited about this because we are going to be announcing a partnership with this company and the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. John, do the honors of introducing our special guest, if you would, please. Absolutely. This is the water cool edition of the show. And, you know, it kind of goes off the trope of just chatting with your buddies from work at the water cooler of the office. Sometimes you have new faces come and join you. And that's exactly what we have today. We have Kenneth Giles of Symbol, who's coming on to announce that we have officially partnered up with his company as an official sponsor of the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. So, Kenneth, how are you? How's it going, man? Awesome. Yeah, I appreciate you guys having me on to be able to introduce Symbol and also just excited to talk some football at the water cooler. Obviously, you know, we're a smaller company, so I, you know, I don't have that water cooler talk. So this will be, this will be exciting. All right. The water cooler talk is more, it's, it's a virtual thing nowadays, right? It's just getting on to just, 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 just shoot the breeze about stuff. But, you know, our listeners should be very in- interested in your company, but it is a relatively new company. So we want to, we want, we want to get you to explain everything about what is Symbol and all. But I think also our listeners would be very interested, interested to know in how Symbol became started. So explain to us like five, explain to us like we're five, what is Symbol and how did you and your friends start the company? Yeah, absolutely. So as easily as I can put it, Symbol is a stock market for sports. So what we really want to do was create a way that our users could invest in professional teams just like they would invest in companies in the stock market. So that's where Symbol uh, came about is on our platform, you're able to invest in shares of your favorite teams. When they win, you win. Uh, And then you can start trading teams like stocks. Uh, So it's a really exciting platform. We launched back in September with the start of NFL. Uh, We've since expanded to the Sim MBA, Sim MLB. Um, it's a really exciting platform. Uh, just so you know, my background is actually investing. I worked uh, in investments for a long time. Uh, and sports have always been my passion, specifically sports gambling, fancy football, daily fancy. Right? It's really fun. Uh, and we'll get into this, I, I'm sure. But I'm a diehard Packers fan. It's really fun when, when the Packers win. It's a lot more fun when the Packers win and I have money on the game. Right? It, it, it creates a way for fans to be financially invested. Like, hey, I, I'm invested with my heart, but I also want to be invested with my wallet. Right? It's exciting. The problem with gambling, which we can also get into, is the fees are extremely high. A lot of people lose money. A lot of people don't want to take the, you know, I don't really want to risk all this money on, on, on a game, but I would rather invest in my favorite teams. And that's what we're trying to do with, with Symbol by creating the stock market platform. Well, it's a really unique idea, Kenneth. And I, I know you, the, the conversations between our show and your company kind of engage specifically about where the Cincinnati Bengals are at. So we'll get there in just a second. But I also kind of want to say, you know, from like a a global landscape, there's been a lot of chatter about the stock market and all of that, Uh, you know, some different things going on with, you know, companies like GameStop, all kinds of different things. I guess I'm just curious based on what your company's focus is and what you're trying to do, how all of that has kind of shaped what the the business that you guys do in the sports world. It's actually been amazing. So, so one of the pillars of our company, right. And we can dive into this. We have three pillars of why we started symbol. The third one is actually we wanted to create a platform that was just like the stock market that allowed sports fans to be the expert. 
So I have a background in investing. I did it for a long time, but a lot of my friends don't. And over COVID, like you said, they started getting into trading cryptocurrencies and GameStop and, and all this stuff with the, the Reddit threads and all this stuff. And it's funny because I always joke with them. They own, a, they own a stock and I go, oh, who's the CEO of that company? And they're like, oh, I, I don't know. Or like, oh, what's their earnings the past you know, uh, quarter, you know, 12 months over months? And they're like, oh, I don't know. But then I say, oh, who has the first overall draft pick? The Jaguars. I'm like, oh, how, you know, how much in cash space do they have? 80 million. It's like, okay, so why don't we create a platform where you guys actually are the experts, right? You know their earnings, you know their win totals, you know what their future holds. Let's create a platform that allows you to invest in what you know, as opposed to trying to do this short squeeze stuff with a GameStop that you don't really know what's going on. So it's my understanding that that you and your co-founders started the company late in 2019. How does that relate to Bengals fans? Because I think there's a story here that, that someone will be interested in. Yeah, absolutely. So if you go to our landing page, you'll see the, the you know the, the story about how how we uh, how we got started. It is about Joe Burrow, but I actually want to go back further than that because it actually started in the fall, and it still has to do with the Bengals. Uh, I actually, like I said, I was a big sports gambler. I actually had a I placed a bet on the Cincinnati Bengals. I think they were one in thirteen at the time, and they were playing the New England Patriots, uh, who were ten and three at the time, and they were like thirteen point dogs or something like that. I think they were 13 point dogs. I'm like 13 points in the NFL is a lot of points. I don't care if it's the pages. I don't get like two touchdowns at the end. You know, you're down 21, you get a touchdown, you cover the spread. Anyway. So I bet on the Bengals. They end up getting beat by like 24 or 21 or something. I'm like, why the heck did I bet on the Bengals? Like, well, I was sitting there feeling like I just lost 20 bucks and I bet on a one in 13 team. Like no offense. But like, what was I doing? I'm sitting there for three hours. Game was out of hand. I'm like, this is miserable. Like, why did I do this all stuff? I'm like, Man, like Joe Burrow's got, they're going to draft Joe Burrow. They're, they're one in 15, or they're going to be one in 15. They're going to draft Joe Burrow. I believe in his future. I want to invest in the team that drafts Joe Burrow because I think he's going to be really, really good. And I started looking up for ways to do that, and there was nothing exists. And I was thinking about that. I'm like, well, I don't really want to gamble on them next year. Like, I don't think they're going to be good next year. I think they're going to be okay. But I think in two years or three years, I think Joe Burrow is going to be the guy, and I want to invest in them. So that's kind of happened in the fall. It's where it started, you know that's where it kind of started. You go flash forward to the spring. Me and my buddy are sitting in our basement watching the combine. Uh, Joe, I don't think Joe Burrow participated, but I'm sitting there like, man, the bank, like Joe Burrow just came off the best season ever from a quarterback in college football. Like he is going to be the dude in Cincinnati. I want to be able to invest in that team. Looked it up again, started doing some market research. Nothing really exists to allow me to do that, to profit off my knowledge of, Hey, I believe in this team's future. And where it all started is I wanted to invest in Joe Burrow. Six months later, we launched Symbol uh, to be able to allow people to invest in their hunches. Like, I yeah, I wanted to invest in Joe Burrow. So we got a, a question here from our live chat. I wonder if it's available for all 50 states. I don't know uh, if that's, uh, you know, um, a, a question that you get often or, or not. But, uh, you know, sometimes when it comes to gambling on sports and whatnot, that's, that's a question that's floated out there. So I guess availability-wise, because we have – we have listeners, Kenneth, believe it or not. Um, it, it always blows us away. We have people that, are, that tell us they're listening from Scotland and, you know, Scandinavian countries and all kinds of stuff. So we have people listening to this program from all over. So I guess, you know, accessibility wise, how does that how does that work for, for fans? Yeah, so it is, it is legal in all 50 states for a couple of reasons, right? So we do not operate as a gambling company. Um, to be a gambling company, you have to actually have people place wagers on an event, right? You have to, hey, I bet $10 on this team to win this game. So in our market, you actually don't do that. Once you own a share, once you buy a share, that share is yours and you don't place any wagers. The team you own loses, you actually don't lose anything. Now, that's not to say you can't lose value in your share because the users in the market can determine if a share is more valuable or less valuable. But if, the, if you own a share of the Sim Bengals and the Bengals lose, you actually don't lose anything. So you're not placing a wager. This allows us to operate legally because again, we're not gambling, right? You're not gambling on this game, certain games outcome. So it is legal in all 50 states, which we're really excited about that. Um, where I don't think Ohio has legal gambling just yet. Um, so it is exciting for your listeners to be able to, you know, they can invest in the Sim Bengals and Sim Browns uh, with, with, without the fear of, of this, this gambling stuff. So it is a stock market for sports. That is that is the tagline that goes with the company. So there, there is a, an important distinction because it's not specifically a gambling website. It's not registered as that. So how does it, I guess, different um, from just the regu regular stock market that you'd see for like the NASDAQ or, or whatever, whatever you can pull up? Yeah, exactly. So in our market, you know, in, in the NASDAQ, when you invest in a company, you know, in the stock market, you're actually buying shares of that company, right? You're buying equity into that company, right? I, you know, I buy a share, I get a percent of that company, whatever. 
in our market, we, we are very clear that that you are not investing in in the SIM Bengals, right? If you buy a share of the SIM Bengals, it is not equity in the SIM Bengals. That is not what we're operating. What we do is actually each share is backed by a piece of team memorabilia. So it's a trading card, right? So it's a trading card that we invented as a symbol trading card. Uh, that's what you're actually that's what you're actually buying when you buy a share. Now, what that does is it allows us to track the real team, right? So if a team you own wins, you have the opportunity for a win payout, which is where you can make the profit off of, hey, I own, you know, I own the Sim Bengals, they won 10 games, I earned 10 win payouts, which is which is cash that goes into your account. Um, I did see a quick question from Brian and I, uh, are winning subject to capital gains tax? Uh, yeah, not capital gains particularly. So the way we operate, as I mentioned, is each share is backed by a physical asset, a trading card. So we actually operate a lot like eBay. So if you're buying and selling teams and you make a profit, it's actually like you had an eBay account where you sold something for a profit. So you have to consult, you know, your tax professional on that. But I just want to throw that in there because I saw it. Yeah, it's it's a good question. I guess for people like myself, uh, you know, I, I I love fantasy football. I love participating in it. Some of this stuff, and we I, I do want to get to in just a minute what you know kind of specials you're running for our listeners and and through our show. But you know, I, I think for some uh, like myself who you know you've got kids, you've got families, all that kind of stuff, and other obligations, you wanna you wanna take it serious, especially if you're investing money into it. But I guess you know if if you're if you got some other life distractions, how, how the time consumption part, I guess, of of effort level putting into to this to be able to make money and all of that. I, I don't know if I'm asking the question very well, but I hope you're kind of understanding where I'm getting at. You know, I guess yeah. time. Time investment wise, what does that take from a user from that perspective? Absolutely. So we actually have, I, I would put them into three different categories of users. We have your day traders, right? They're, they're on daily. They're trying to buy teams, sell teams, right? So right now in the Sim NBA, you can earn win payouts if a team you own wins, right? So they're, they're trading daily to try to find these teams that, hey, I want to capitalize off these win payouts. I'm going to buy 10 teams, 10 shares of this team. So I get that win payout. I'm going to sell them all the next day. So we have day traders who are really active. They're trying to find win payouts. The second category is, I would say, your casual fan, right? They want to invest in their own team. That's what they're interested in. Hey, I'm going to buy five shares of the Sim Bengals because when they win, I win. I don't have to put too much time into it. It's just a little thing on the side where you know, I'm watching them on Sunday. I can root for, for a little share price appreciation or these win payouts. So that's the second type of, of, of user. The third type is what I would call your longer-term investor who's looking for this share price appreciation steals, right? So the people that are buying shares of the Dolphin or the Sim Dolphins and the Sim Chargers, uh, because they they say, hey, in two to three years, I think these quarterbacks are going to be really good. They're going to be top in the league. I want to capitalize off the share price appreciation of their cheap right now, not winning a lot of games. In the next three to four years, uh, they're going to win a lot more games. Their their share price will be more expensive, and you can profit off that way. So so as far as the time consumption, it's really up to you, right? We have we have the fans who are investing in their own teams. We have the long-term investors who are trying to find steals for two to three years down the road where they're going to buy and hold and just wait. And then we also have our day traders who are really, really active, setting their portfolio every single day, buying teams, selling teams, trading teams. So it's, it's really up to you. I think as someone who's never really done something like this before, and I, I think I can speak for some of our listeners as well, I think we can all appreciate the interface of your app. It's very clean. It's very direct. You can tell which teams are going up and down in value. But I guess that's kind of my next question. So what are like the biggest determinants in how a team's value goes up and down? Is it mainly just like the, 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 the market's dictated by just user activity? Or is it a lot of just the exterior factors that just have to do with what the team is doing at that point? So the, the prices and symbol are 100% determined by the market. We don't, we don't touch them. We don't have an algorithm. It's not based off of, of, uh, of, of anything of like, oh, hey, they signed this or they had this draft pick or whatever. It's all based on supply and demand of the market, which is great because the users determine the value of the shares. Now, for, for our users, it's like, okay, how do I value a share? Well, it, or excuse me, a team. Well, if you have two teams that are priced both at $20, you want to pick the one that's going to win more games because that's going to earn you a higher return, right? They're going to get you more win paths. So by allowing the users to dictate the prices, what's really happening is users are saying, okay, I think over the next one to three to five years, this team is going to have more wins than this other team. And then that's where you get the hierarchy of teams to basically settle into, into their share price. So yeah, users determine all the share price in the market, which is exciting because we're completely hands off and we're just allowing a platform to, for people to, to, to have fun with their sports knowledge. 
Well, we're going to get to what what we're doing for our listeners and your company real quick, though. I mean, I, I don't know if you maybe I, I missed it when you at the beginning of the conversation here, but I think your logo, if I if I can guess a bull, you know, bull market. Right. Is that kind of and, and then obviously you're, you're simulating. Uh, I mean, I assume that's where the logo came from. Right. It's a pretty cool logo. I like it. But uh, I yeah, the bull market thing and playing off of that. Right. It absolutely is. So what's funny about how we got started uh, last summer, we had our, we were building out our first prototype of our website and we needed to test it. And before, before we, we launched, uh, we wanted to make sure all the functionality was working. So we actually ran a Madden simulation. We simulated the entire 2021 season. We had about 20 friends and family just hop in, just make sure they were trading and make sure the wind tabs were working correctly. Um, but we were running a Madden simulation and we actually hadn't come up with a name at this point. We were just like, stock market for sports, like, what are we going to do? So yes, you're exactly exactly right. We're playing off the idea of a bull market, right? Symbol. But the way we got started was actually a Madden simulation. So we're like, oh, that's kind of a match made in heaven. Symbol, it's a simulated bull market. Um, so it, it it was kind of funny the way that turned out. But you're exactly right. And just, and just real quick in the comments section, uh, Bobby Keegan of Facebook is asking, how much is a share for the Bengals? Do you know off the top of your head? I do. So I actually have it pulled up right now. So the the Sim Bengals are priced at twenty three dollars and ninety one cents which is actually ranked 30th right now in the sim NFL market. So still towards the bottom half, they, the share price did not help with Joe Burrow getting injured. I will say that, right. They rebounded quite a bit from, from the ACL, but if you look at a team that was similar to them, like the sim chargers, they basically launched at the same exact point at the same rookie quarterback, the trajectory, they took, they took completely different paths in the regular season because obviously Joe Burrow had that bad knee injury and Herbert played pretty well. So right now, the Sim Bengals are actually pretty cheap. If you believe in their future, uh, might be a good time to buy. Yeah, ask us Ask us in May, right? Uh, <laughs> maybe that'll tell us a little something different. Well, we've talked about it a little bit, talking with Kenneth, uh, Kenneth Giles of Symbol, our new partner on the Orange and Black Insider Bengals podcast. Happy to have him on talking to us about his awesome company, the product, and I'm going to share this here on the screen. Uh, we want to hear what uh, our listeners, how they can engage in your company, how mm -hmm. they can get involved, and then obviously where to find the app, all that good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, as we mentioned, we have a partnership going on uh, on with you guys. Uh, it's really exciting stuff. So for your listeners, if you go to symbol.app backslash OBI uh, or use the, the promo code OBI, uh, you'll get a $10 deposit bonus when you sign up, right? So deposit 15, get a $10 uh, deposit bonus, and you'll be able to buy a share of the Sim Bengals. So super excited about this partnership. For all your listeners, I apologize. You'll probably be getting ads uh, if you follow the show in the future. Uh, but it is exciting. We're really excited to share it with the, with the, the Bengals fan base. I'm really, really excited about the partnership with your guys' uh, uh, your, your podcast. We are as well, to say the very least, uh, when, you know, you've been working – a little more closely with my partner on this than than myself, but once I was introduced to this, it was you know I, I was I was all in. I thought it was a really cool idea, and I think this could be very well a a future uh, direction of you know where sports you know the, the fantasy football type of realm. I, I think this is going to play a big part of that going forward, and I don't I don't say that exaggeratingly. I, I think it really is a, a really neat idea. And we're excited to be partnering with you, Kenneth. I know you're welcome to stick around if you want. We're going to run through some some headlines and stuff. If you want to stick around, that's cool. Um, if not, I understand you're probably a busy guy. So either way, whatever you want to do, we've got some headlines. And anything else you want to tell us about your company, we're all ears, man. Yeah, absolutely. Actually, I wouldn't mind sticking around if, if I can insert myself every once in a while. Like, oh, this move happened and they went up X percent. I would love to do that uh, just to give your, your audience a little bit of uh, how the market moved. Um, but yeah, just last thing, uh, www.symbol.app. You can create a free account. If you want to go ahead and make a deposit, make sure you use that promo code OBI. You'll get a uh, $10 deposit bonus. Yes, you can access it in Canada, United States, uh, wherever you're at, you can access it. Um, but again, super excited to reach your audience. I am really excited about, about this partnership between, your, uh, between us and your podcast. Uh, it's a really exciting market. Uh, so I'm glad your audience can be a part of it. Well, we are too. Uh, we're going to get to some news here, as, as we usually do on Mondays. Um, I will say this will be, I know you're a Packers guy, Kenneth, but uh, this will be a little bit Bengal centric. We did pull up some Packers news, some NFL news. I think also you'll find towards the end of the show, there'll be some things in terms of power rankings and whatnot. So that may definitely interest you. So um, John, if, if you're ready, Kenneth, if you're ready, I'm going to start rolling through these things. If you're cool with it. Let's go. Let's do it. All right. 
Uh, let's kick it off. Unfortunately, we're going to start with a handful of what seems like missed opportunities for the Cincinnati Bengals in terms of, um, you know, some players they had their eyes on, but they did re-sign this one. John was a little bit of a surprise to me. I didn't think this guy was in the plans going forward, especially with the investments they made at the linebacker position last year, but they, they bring back Jordan Evans, a reserve linebacker, special teams player, and maybe maybe the special teams aspect is what had them keep keep him around. I know they lost Alex Erickson and Seathan Carter, so maybe that's why they said, "Hey, we got we got to keep some of these guys back." I think that's exactly why. Um, like we talked about last week, you know, two two years in a row, the Miami Dolphins take away a vital special teams component for the Bengals with a three-year deal. So Seathan Carter's gone. He was their best special teamer according to PFF grades. Jordan Evans was third and really second when you count the players who have been there for the entire season. So he is a vital member there. Darren Simmons is still there. They're still looking for guys that can just fill those roles. And, you know, they didn't bring back Josh Bynes just yet. So this really means that they have five linebackers that they should be comfortable going into opening day with. So we probably won't see them address the linebacker position in the draft, which is like the first time in a century that that's the case. So yeah, just round out the position group, get a guy that you know can contribute on special teams. They have the money to do so. Why not? Yeah. Play, play defense in a pinch if you need them to. And surprise, I guess part of the surprise for me, John was the fact that this was a quote unquote Marvin Lewis pick a Marvin Lewis guy. And there just seems to not be a, a real big, emphasis on having these guys return under Zach Taylor. So I thought that that was, um, I thought that was cool. Hey, by the way, Kenneth, you got someone that just signed up for you, uh, 859 in the, in the live YouTube. So you, we've already got you a new one on the first, first day. You got to like that. So hopefully. Maybe I appreciate it. That's, that's great. So I, I want to get your guys, both of your guys take on this because look, these are two guys that the Bengals had interest in uh, as of now they lost out on one. We don't know what's happening with the other. So John, I want to get your thoughts, but Kenneth, I want to see, you know, if, if any of the, if either of these acquisitions may have affected the Bengals in terms of what your company does and, and where their standing is right now per share. So the Bengals were the Seahawks let go of Jerron Reed, a big defensive lineman, and the Bengals tried to pounce right on it. And John, unfortunately, just like we've heard many times in the past with free agency, the Bengals were in it till the end, but they just couldn't get across the finish line with a player that could have helped them. He goes to the Chiefs with his old buddy, Frank Clark. Jerron Reed does after being released by the Seahawks. Right. And like this was a thing, it was that's completely similar to Tooney, but we knew the Bengals were going to be in on Jaron Reed. And I think mainly because not only is he a really talented defensive lineman and they're still looking for guys in that position, but also he was released. So he wouldn't factor into the compensatory pick formula. So it, it makes sense why they were one of the six or seven teams really in on him. And of course, we knew nothing about the Chiefs, you know, like they weren't like a reported team that was interested. But of course, they're the Chiefs and everyone wants a ring. So it makes sense why he would take a one-year, $5 million deal with, I think, a couple million more in incentives to play with a former teammate. So, yeah, it, it, it makes sense, and it makes sense why the Bengals were on him. But, I mean, that, that it's hard to sell when you're competing against the Chiefs. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G Pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Well, the Bengals, they let they let Carl Lawson walk, but they add in Trey Hendrickson. They wanted to add Jaron Reed. They added in Larry Ogunjobi. And then, uh, and this is where I would also like to hear Kenneth chime in too, the Bengals hosted a visit for with Ryan Kerrigan, um, you know, up there in age, but a guy who may still be able to provide some 
value as on a rotational basis, but it sounds like that may not be uh, coming to fruition here because, um, you know, I, it was James Rapine of all Bengals reporting that Kerrigan has known Bengals defensive coordinator Lou Anarumo dating back to his college days. Uh, it's unclear why negotiations broke down, but both sides are moving on, according to league sources. So it looks like Ryan Kerrigan is not going to be with the Bengals. Uh, John, your thoughts on that? And then, you know, Kenneth, I guess where if the Bengals were to land one or both of these guys, what that would have maybe done for them from a different kind of perspective. I think with Kerrigan, it, it was there was a report that like initially came out right after he was visiting with the Bengals that like there was still an indication that he wanted to start, and that obviously wasn't the case last year with Washington when they drafted Chase Young and they had Montez Sweat, so he was regulated to more of, of, of a rotational role at like 32 years old, which is fine. He's still effective, but you know they're clearly looking for the future, and now that he's entering free agency for the first time, I think he still wants that opportunity to be a, a big time you know 800 snap player. And if that's just if that's just not out there for him, I think it's very likely that he just probably just goes back to Washington, who has interest in bringing him back. So maybe he thought that you know with, with Sam Hubbard and, and Hendrickson, he would have a chance to com- to compete with one of those guys to because he arguably could be still their second best edge rusher. And you know maybe it wasn't necessarily a thing about price; it was just it was a matter of a role. And if he can't find that anywhere else, especially not with the Bengals, then he might just end up back with Washington. Yeah, and Kenneth, I mean, I don't. I don't know how much these types of moves would move the needle in terms of, you know, you, you mentioned the Bengals were what 30th on your, on your metrics there uh, in terms of price per share and whatnot. I don't know if Jaron, I mean, these aren't necessarily household names. They, I think they would provide solid value to the team in terms of pass rush. They've already had a lot of guys in the secondary and free agency. I I don't know. I mean, would would these have moved the needle at all for, for the Bengals if they had signed one or both? My hunch is no. So, so what we've learned in our market, uh, because because like I said, users dictate the the price of the market. There are two things that will really affect a share price, like really increase the team share prices. One, if they start winning a lot more games, right? If the Bengals come out two and 3 and zero, right? They're going to shoot up in price because we're like, oh man, this team's really good, right? So that's one thing. What we've seen in the off season of okay, you know, free agency has been a huge time for our market. What moves the needle is national headlines. And believe it or not, you know, we have a, obviously a national user base. So when a team signs, you know, AJ Green, whether AJ Green is good or not, Bengals fans know that he's a, he's a household name. They're like, oh man, the Cardinals just signed AJ Green. They're going to be a lot better. Right. So w- w- what's funny about our market is because it's driven by the users, it's going to be driven by the media. So mm-hmm. whether you're a Bengals fan and you're like, hey, Ryan Kerrigan's really going to help this defense line. He, you know, his win above replacement is, you know, he's going to give him a half more Wednesday next year probably not going to move the needle as much as the Washington football team signing Ryan Fitzpatrick, even if Ryan Fitzpatrick's washed up, he's a big name. People are excited about it. So as far as these specific moves, share price, it might've pumped them up a little bit like, Hey, they have a better defense. Yeah. Et cetera. But honestly, the biggest thing for the Bengals is probably going to be the draft. Hey, if they take Panay Sewell at five, they protect Joe Burrow. That's going to help the team a lot more because that's the national headline. That's like, Hey, they're going to protect Joe Burrow. I think well, the whole national headline thing is interesting because I, f- I feel like the, the biggest headline right now is not what the Bengals have done. It's what they haven't done. I wonder if like the fact they've been relatively inactive to really bolster the offensive line, if that's creating hesitancy with the market, it's what's, what's, what is what's making them still in, in the bottom in terms of value amongst teams. Yeah, and, and that could, definitely could be. What we've seen is teams that are making these big-time moves are the ones seeing the huge share price appreciation, right? So the – Sim Patriots went up over 10% since free agency started. You had the Washington football team up over like 25%. You have um, the New York Giants with Kenny Galladay, et cetera, right? They're, they're these huge names that are going, that's what's really dictate, dictating how the teams are moving. Uh, but it is funny because when you look at a fan base, it's like, hey, I think this is really going to help our team win. That's where you have the inside advantage of, hey, I'm going to buy the Bengals because, you know, if they, if they land Kerrigan, that's going to help this team quite a bit more than some big name washed up player. Well, Kenneth, we uh, we like your logo. We mentioned that. Uh, do you like ours? Do you like our logo, our show logo? It is. Yeah, it's going to actually be on our landing page soon. So good. Well, the guy who created it, uh, uh, Richard Dalton, he's he goes by Dalton RC. He's uh, a graphic designer by trade. He hooked us up with the the black version and the orange version of the logos, and he signed up for symbol apparently as well. He he notes in our live Facebook chat. So um, the guy who created our logo was attracted awesome. to your logo and your business model. And 
signed up. Awesome. That's great news. Yeah. Best of luck in the market. Let us know if you have any questions, but we look forward to seeing your success. Awesome. Well, let's keep, let's keep rolling on because you guys mentioned Panay Sewell there. Uh, there's some, you know, there's kind of now with Bengals fans, there's kind of two camps. It's draft Sewell, maybe Slater in there as well with that number five overall pick or go Jamar Chase, maybe Kyle Pitts as well, but basically offensive skill position weapon or offensive lineman at number five and Bengals fans are a little bit split on that. Well, when the Eagles traded back uh, earlier this week and, and traded out of that spot, um, the a recent report, my co-host, John, you wrote this on cincyjungle.com, a recent report, I believe it was by Albert Breer, said that it's kind of a known thing at this point among some in league circles that they believe that the Bengals are targeting Jamar Chase at number five. Right. So this is a, a, a decent amount of speculation as well. But, you know, when teams when teams talk amongst each other in terms of making these deals, there's a general consensus about what direction some teams are going to go. And with the Eagles, it, it was the whole thing of like, OK, I, we're sitting at six. Dolphins want to trade back up in the top 10. Eagles are not at this point targeting a quarterback. They didn't trade up like the 49ers did. So they're thinking, okay, is the value of a pass catcher or whoever I'm going to target, is it that different from six to 12 at the cost of getting a first round pick? And I think that was, the, that was their mindset, especially if they kind of believe that they're not going to be able to take Jamar Chase, which is what that report was definitely implying, where there is a belief that Jamar Chase is going to be reunited with Joe Burrow. There was a report from Albert Breer earlier in the week that Joe Burrow is indeed pushing for Jamar Chase with the Bengals front office. So that's creating the interest there. And so I think that's where more or less the Eagles mindset is, where it's like, you know, if I can stay at six and I could take my best player available, or if I know that the guy that I would really want at six is not going to be there, maybe I should just move back to 12. So, Kenneth, you had mentioned there's, you know, there, there may be a, I don't know, a, a surge or a, a difference in terms of the Bengals' valuation uh, through symbol if they draft Panay Sewell. What if they draft a guy like Jamar Chase? Because that's still kind of, hey, let's surround Joe Burrow with offensive talent. It's just a different approach to it because it's giving him a, a skill position weapon instead of pass protection, run blocking in front of him. Yeah, I mean, I think the biggest thing for their share price is, is honestly just don't mess it up. Right, like that's the biggest thing. Whether you take Jamar Chase or whether you take the offensive tackle, like either of that's going to be fine. I mean, that would be a pretty exciting offense. And Joe Burrow comes back. You have Jamar Chase, but you have T. Higgins, you have Joe Mixon. Right, that's an exciting offense that will actually get people in on the Bengals for the next couple of years. And I think it makes a lot of sense from the Eagles' perspective too. Right, they're not in a position to win this year. So what's the point of taking a? You know, if you really want Jamar Chase, and you can trade back and take Waddle or Devontae Smith or or another skill position back then. I think it makes sense from their perspective to, to, to get out of the top 10 since they're not really in a position to win this year. So I might as well get another draft pick. Hmm. So, so let's talk about the, the trade that kind of sparked that trade back with, with the, with the uh, Eagles. So initially it was the 49ers who traded up into the top three with the Dolphins, which is why the Dolphins originally went to 12. And that kind of sent the, the first initial shockwaves throughout the league. And that created some decent news to the Bengals. If the 49ers are giving up, two future first round picks to go up to three, like that's going to be a quarterback. And it confirms that at least three quarterbacks are going to go in the top four picks, mm -hmm. which is why this whole conversation really started about the Bengals are guaranteed one of Panay Sewell or Jamar Chase. So I guess, you know, for our listeners, what, how has that move affected the share prices for both the 49ers and the Dolphins? Yeah. So the Dolphins had a pretty sharp increase after that. They've been up like 6% week over week from that trade. Um, Honestly, it looks like fans are just really excited about the way they've rebuilt. Uh, I mean, they've gone through the whole process. They took their quarterback. They got the first round picks, et cetera. So they saw a big increase from, from trading that, both trading back and then trading up, right? Basically, they traded down three spots. They get their skill position, and they pick up another first round pick for it. Um, so from the Dolphins' perspective, users really liked it. From the 49ers' perspective, their stock is really interesting on symbol because they are the fifth highest priced team on the symbol market. And just – to keep you updated, they went six and 10 last year. So for whatever reason, people in our market are really in on the Sim 49ers, whether that be they like John Lynch or whether it be Kyle Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan's proven he can get eight wins with, with either Jimmy Garoppolo or no quarterback at all. So they could just be there investing in him, but, but it'll be really interesting to see what they do. And this is going to, and, and this is a little bit off topic, but what's really interesting is the Sim Panthers got hurt the most out of these trades. 
And let me hypothesize why. Uh, and, and maybe you're shaking your head, you already know. The 49ers would have moved up to two if they could have, right? They would have traded with the Jets if they could have. Clearly, the Jets are taking the quarterback, Zach Wilson. 49ers are definitely going to take a quarterback. So what happens to the Sim Panthers? Well, they're probably not going to get Deshaun Watson, you know, with all that stuff going on. They're not going to take one of the top three quarterbacks. So where does that leave the Sim Panthers? So what's funny about all that trade, the team that got hurt the most was actually a team not involved. And it's just me like, oh, fans, they're not going to get their quarterback. So why invest in them? So that was really interesting as well. We lost Anthony for a second. Sorry about that, guys. Uh, let's let's cruise on here. Uh, I, I guess we can kind of – well, there's a couple more to get to, and then we can kind of talk a little bit more about the draft. And I want to get John's opinion on this right now on the Gio Bernard trade rumors. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's some stuff going on with that. The Bengals are potentially looking at – well, they've been receiving calls on him. And, you know, this is a cool article from our, our good buddies over at Bengals Wire, part of the USA Today Network, um, talking about six possible trade partners for the Bengals. You know, you've got the Cardinals who are kind of going all in the past couple of off seasons at offensive skill positions. Um, they would, I think, you know, benefit from having a guy who can catch the ball out of the backfield and is very adept at doing so in Gio Bernard. You know, you've got the Dolphins, another, you know, another team that's kind of trying to continue to add pieces and building things the right way. The Jets, you know, there's a lot on there. So I don't know. I mean, do you think this is a viable, viable thing that the Bengals trade, trade him uh, at this point? Or do you think that this is just kind of like, Hey, you know, we're fielding calls and that's that. I I think that's the important distinction. I don't think this is a situation where the Bengals are desperate to trade geo. And if they don't get anything, if they don't hear anything back from anybody that they're just going to release him. I don't think they would want to just release him because I don't think they, feel like they need the cap space they have like i think 22 million as of right now and like we know they're going to enter the season with about 10 so that they have like they have definite flexibility like they're not pressed for cap space especially when you just consider what their usual cap is so it's not like they're desperate to offload his contract and they're definitely not desperate to get rid of him like he's he's a team captain he stood up for zach taylor on multiple occasions he's he is one of those pivotal pivotal like pillars in that locker room. And I don't think they would want to get rid of them, uh, rid of him unless they feel like they would reap significant value in return from him. Or if they're actually planning to make some type of, a, of an aggressive move, like had they had signed your Reed, Yeah. I could have seen geo getting cut purely for cap purposes, but if they're not willing to make one of those aggressive moves, I don't think they're going to be desperate to make this happen unless they get an offer that they can't refuse. And, and when you say that, Gio, at the end of the day, for how much we love him, he's still a 29 going on 30-year-old running back with one year left on his deal. I don't imagine there's going to be that big of a market for him. Yeah, and Kenneth, you know about multi especially with Aaron Jones, right? Versatile running backs and what they can bring to an offense and how they can help out a quarterback. Yeah, I mean, for the Gio Bernard thing, it, it depends on the value, right? So realistically, the Bengals are, what, two to three years away from having a really good chance of, of competing in this division. So if he can give you some draft capital that, Hey, let's get a, you know, if we trade him, let's, let's, let's youth in our running back room, et cetera. Like that's probably fine. But, at, but at this point, like you said, if you, you know, I'm not an expert on the Bengals, but if you don't need the cap, then he's an effective offensive player. That'll help Joe Burrow, especially with the dump offs and, and everything like that. Well, I think it would have been a more viable situation if the Bengals were signing some of these guys they were bringing in and they needed to maybe shed some cap space, but you know, they're, they're not landing the, the Sheldon Rankins, the, you know, Jaron Reeds and all of that. So it's like, you know, if you're not bringing in those contracts, then there's not really a need at this point to, to shed that one from Bernard, at least from where I sit, let's, let's move on here. This is another, a little bit more trade slash draft talk. I don't know how viable of a rumor this is, but this is on Stripe Hype, one of our uh, one of our good good buddies here, Larry Horn of Stripe Hype, saying the Bengals could be training back with the New England Patriots just because of the need at quarterback. And this is from Jeff Howe, who covers the the New England Patriots. You know, it's you know, do they do, do the the Patriots move up or attempt to give some kind of Godfather deal to the Bengals? at number five to get up and get a quarterback, depending on how those first couple of picks play out. Love to hear thoughts from both you guys and how that may affect uh, maybe the Patriots stock uh, from your perspective, Kenneth. 
Yeah, so the Patriots were real, were really, really interesting and simple because they spent the most amount of money this offseason. I think they spent like 160 million in nine days or something crazy, right? They spent a ton of money, but they didn't go up as much as say the football team or the Giants. And the answer is because they signed their quarterback to a one-year deal. In the NFL, in symbol, the easiest way to find a safe, stable stock is find a quarterback who's going to be with the same team for the next four or five years and just ride out those wins. The Patriots didn't do that. They signed Cam Newton to a one-year deal, meaning people are a little bit unsure about who's going to start a quarterback next year. Is Cam going to be his former self or is he going to be last year? So it would be interesting to see how the market reacts to them trading up. If they would, if they trade up to five, that'd be what, Matt Jones? probably unless the 49ers take him. So I, I think it would help the Patriots stock because they would find, Hey, we're going to develop this quarterback. We have a 45 year window now, as opposed to right now, investors are looking at the Patriots. They're like, if I could take a chance on Joe Burrow, who's got rookie deal left or a one year Cam Newton, I'd probably rather invest in Joe Burrow. And I think that's what a lot of users are looking at the Patriots right now and why they're a little hesitant to put money into them. Right. And like there's there was also a report about like Washington wanting to potentially trade up to four or five. And those have to be like the, the extreme options for it, the, the Bengals and the Falcons in terms of trading out of those spots, because I think the more reasonable destinations would be like if Carolina trades up, if they're really desperate for the fourth or fifth quarterback or even the Broncos, who seem to be interested in adding to that room as well. When it comes to the Bengals, like I don't know, for some reason, it, a trade down to like the eighth or ninth spot seems more um palpable i guess in, in terms of what i can wrap my head around like i i knowing what who the Bengals are and how much that they would value a, a top tier talent it would have to be something monumental to, to get them out of not only the top five but the top 10 altogether like it would take multiple first round picks obviously it might even take a player to um if they want to actually move down into the teens and, and take a player that could that's just wouldn't necessarily be a top of the first round type of player and like i'm sure they could get magical offers for that but also this is the same team that you know denied everything in the world for the from the miami dolphins last year to stay and take joe burrow when you know people were saying i'll just trade down take another quarterback i don't know if i don't know if they would be willing to do that if the if the Bengals do trade out of that spot i think right now i would plant my flag and say it's going to be the eight or nine that's only if like, you know, both of Sewell and Chase are still on the board and they're confident that they can get potentially one of them, it would take something monumental in my mind for the, for them to accept whatever the Patriots or even Washington would offer them. And that's uh, that's what I would say too. And this is kind of the answer to the question in the chat as well for Morris Code. I would say the biggest thing that would affect the, the, the Sim Bengals share price is honestly probably trading down if they get the right deal, right? If, if they can trade down a few spots, get their skill position player or their offensive tackle, whatever, or, or, or Kyle Pitts if he falls and who knows what that'll look like. But it, but if they can rebuild their draft capital and say, Hey, pick up a first round pick in 2022, I think that would help investors a lot more palette this stock of, okay, they understand that this year it's going to be tough with the, with the Ravens and, and the Browns and the Steelers. But two years from now, if we have a couple more first round picks, we develop the offense around Joe Burrow. We sign a few defensive free agents. I think that's what would be the biggest jump for the Sim Bengals. I think their I think their price would will jump if they take Jamar Chase just because the whole LSU connection is fun. The wide receiver, I mean, he's a great wide receiver. But I think from a long term perspective, and maybe this is just me as a long term investor, I think trading down and getting draft capital would really help this team develop. There's multiple schools of thought, and I know a lot of people have uh, different viewpoints on it. I'm going to kind of go through. These next few pretty quickly here, uh, just kind of run through it, but you can you can check these out. Uh, a mock draft roundup on CincyJungle.com, uh, just kind of showing where some of the, the larger sites, the national sites, have the Bengals going at pick number five, Panay Sewell, Panay Sewell, Rashawn Slater, Panay Sewell. Uh, the New York Post has the Bengals going Kyle Pitts, NBC Sports, Panay Sewell, touchdown wire Rashawn Slater. So check out all of those on cincyjungle.com. We've got uh, another, uh, this is a seven round mock draft. That's from Bengals wire as well. So go check this one out on Bengals wire, but the Bengals do it. They have the Bengals doing a, something a little different in this one, trading back and getting this player pictured there, Jalen Waddle. So check out that seven round mock there on Bengals wire good stuff there and then a recent one was just put out by paul daner jr of the athletic 
covering the Cincinnati Bengals, another seven-round mock draft. And, John, this one looked eerily similar. At least the first two picks looked very similar to what we did on our four-round mock draft last week. I feel like we we were the pioneers for the Chase and Leatherwood <laughs> um, one-two punch. Like they were seeing that all over Bengals Twitter, and now we're seeing it from insider Paul Daniel Jr., who I, I think was really confident in them taking Sewell up until like the, the whole free agency landscape happened. And I know that like I, I think we can both agree that Riley Reef is not a long-term answer at right tackle, but it does just enough to open up flexibility for them to look at options in round two. And I think that the sense right now that a lot of people are, are thinking about is if the choice is between a, a tackle and a wide receiver one, two or a wide receiver and a tackle one, two, there might be more confident that you can get a solid starting tackle in the second round, but you might not be able to get the same type of wide receiver one as Jamar Chase in, in that point. So I think that's right right now where the general discourse is shifting towards. And obviously there's people who plant their flag in school and that's fine. Like that, that's been, it's been that way for some people since November, but I think we're now seeing that options are kind of opening up and the fact that they've done literally nothing at wide receiver aside from Mike Thomas, it might be kind of showing their hands. So at this point, I really don't know where I would lean. There's people saying that that's still going to be Sewell, but there's, there's more buzz about chase. I think that's, it, it's, it's an unknown. It's what we're going to talk about for the next month. I bet. <laughs> And and what what's really interesting and and I like I said I'm a data nerd my background is actually mathematics so I love like all the PFF stuff what's really interesting if you look at which players make the most immediate impact yes. uh, offensive linemen and running backs make the most immediate impact right they're plug and play right away for the most part wide receivers have a little bit longer time to develop in general wide receivers and tight ends actually have the biggest jump from year one to year two out of any position uh, in the NFL. So if you're looking for like, hey, you know, we really need to improve this offense right now, offense tag might be the better choice. But if, if you are looking at developing this offense for the long term, I think Jamar Chase would be really exciting because I think he'd be a really fun connection with Joe Burrow. Yeah, I think that's that's where a lot of people are connecting the dots here. We're going to move on to AFC North talk and a little bit of stuff around the NFL and then close up shop here. We are running a little long, but it's for good reason, because we have Kenneth Giles of Symbol, our newest partner, joining us on the Monday Water Cooler Chat and my and my good buddy, my partner, John Sheeran, joining us. Um, he's joined us a few times for these. Good to always chat with him and go through the headlines here. You can see here the graphics. Symbol is our new partner. And uh, the website, uh, symbol.app slash OBI. And you get a credit, Kenneth, if you want to just plug that again real quick before we move on. I'd love to let you have that opportunity. Yeah, absolutely. Symbol.app backslash. And then I'll hop off because I actually have another meeting to go to. But symbol.app <laughs> backslash OBI. Uh, make your first deposit. Uh, right now, the Bengals are actually, they traded down a little bit. So they're $23.91 a share. That, that's a little bit outdated. Um, but yeah, if you make your first deposit, you get a $10 deposit bonus. Buy your first share. See what happens uh, with the Bengals in the draft. Did they make a big splash? Um, but yeah, really exciting market. We're glad. We're, we're super excited about this partnership. Uh, this was very fun for me. So I appreciate you guys letting me crash. I know your audience wants to listen to your guys' takes on the Bengals since I'm not a Bengals expert. But it is fun always talking about the draft. Uh, uh, so I appreciate you guys having me on. Uh, best of luck to the, the Bengals this year and the, and the Sim Bengals stock moving forward. Well, happy to be partnering with you. Thanks so much for for you know coordinating this whole thing with us. We're stoked on this. I think it's a really great product, and you know we uh, we'd love to have you back on talk about how things are going. Maybe after the draft or something, and kind of see maybe gauge where the Bengals are at in in terms of your your data, your metrics, and then obviously yeah. you know uh, give give you guys a plug and and have our listeners be able to access your product. We'd, we'd love to give you another opportunity to come on and talk again. We'd be fun. Absolutely. Yeah. The, the NFL draft is going to be really exciting for our market because no one really knows who won or lost a draft right away, but everyone thinks they do, right? This team got an A, this team got a C. So it'll be really fun to see how the market reacts to, oh, you know, the Bengals traded down and took, you know, whatever. It'd be like, oh, that's an automatic loss. Well, why? It was, you know, you, they haven't played a game yet. So <laughs> it, the, the, the draft will be fun. Um, I'm excited to see if Joe Burrow gets another weapon because they are, they will be exciting team. The Bengals always have a have a, a place in my heart because they help for the idea of symbol. So whether you know whether Joe Burrow wins five Super Bowls or, or hopefully he gets you at least one, uh, he he can at least say that he helped found symbol. So there we go. 
I like it. And hey, at, at a minimum, maybe we talk to you later in the regular season too when the Bengals play the Packers because those two clash. Big game. Yeah, AFC North. Yeah. So, so yeah, we'd, uh, we'd love to talk to you then too. Thanks, Kenneth. Appreciate you coming on, man. And we'll, we'll uh, like I said, we'll be, we'll be pushing your product hard because I think it's a really, really cool business and um, we're stoked to have you partnering with us. Awesome. Appreciate it, guys. Have a good one. Take it easy. Thanks, Kenneth. Well, we're going to keep running on here. Uh, Josh Cook, this whole time I thought he was wearing a, a Chicago Bulls hat. No, it's symbol. It's his logo for his business. Really cool. Really cool stuff. Great guy. Great guy. Uh, mm-hmm. Not not a whole bunch more to get to, but we'll, we'll kind of cruise through this a little bit. John, the Browns, this one kind of caught me by surprise. I guess it just kind of slipped through the cracks based on me being kind of busy and just focusing on the Bengals. But the Browns uh, had have been showing some interest in Jadavian Clowney. I'm not going to play the video itself, but uh, that is, you know, the NFL Network's uh, Ian Rappaport talking about it. But basically nothing is imminent at this point, but they have shown interest. And this isn't the first pass rusher or edge defender that the Browns have shown interest in big name guys, you know, JJ Watt, Von Miller, had he become available, they were supposedly interested there, but there's interest here. And I, I, I don't even know what to make of Jadavian Clowney at this point, man. He's just, he's a freak athlete. He was a great college football player and just, I don't know. It's just the stats haven't really matched the whole performance uh, in terms of NFL uh, career trajectory. I think we can all agree he's still a really good player. Yeah. It's just people die on the, the draft status hill and in, in a good and bad way. So, like, you look at you know Clowney's career up to this point, you think he's underwhelming for a first-round pick, but you look at teams always being interested in him because he was that hyped prospect. And, unfortunately, you know, if you look back, Leo Mack was probably the better pick if you're picking a pass rusher because there's a little bit more data behind it. But I believe the Browns were interested in Clowney last year, and then it took a long time for him to eventually join uh, the Tennessee Titans. Um, and he was like the only pass rusher that the Bengals really had to worry about in that week eight winning it over the Titans. So yeah, there, there's been interest with the Browns and Clowney for a long time now. Um, I'm, I'm assuming that he has some other options to consider very much like Ryan Kerrigan right now. So it's, it's more or less like who's going to make the first move because it's not only just Clowney and Kerrigan out there. There's Alden Smith, there's Melvin Ingram among a couple other guys who are still out there. And it wouldn't be the most shocking thing if the Bengals you know, brought in one of those guys, maybe not Clowney because we haven't really heard anything on that end. But yeah, if the if the Browns sign Clowney, it definitely won't come out of nowhere because they've been at this for a long time. And also, I believe the Browns were interested in Trey Hendrickson and they were interested yeah. in just the edge market in general. And they only ended up with Tack McKinley. So they're definitely going to do more at that position. Yep. Yep. Interesting week for the Pittsburgh Steelers, John. Uh, and both <laughs> the good and the bad. I guess we could start with the good for them, which is not good for the rest of the division, I guess. But Tyson Alu-Alu is a guy who came over. He was a high pick of the Jacksonville Jaguars originally. Came in and actually, you know, he was kind of a little bit of a bust there. Came in and was a, a really solid addition to the Steelers' defense uh, recently. And then he hit free agency, agreed in principle to a deal to return to Jacksonville. Then he gets covid while trying to finalize that deal. So he couldn't go there and actually sign the deal or anything like that. During that time, he decides, you know what? I, there's another contract on the table for the Steelers. I want to stay in Pittsburgh. <laughs> this is this is the second year in a row that the Jags have agreed with an AFC North free agent, and they didn't, yeah. they never signed the contract. Like last year, Dark was Denard signed like a three-year deal with the Jaguars. He didn't sign. Like on the same exact day, like a year later, the same thing happens to Tyson Alawalu. And, you know, our, our own Matt Minnick can attest to this. The Steelers' run defense was so much better with him out there. Like, he he's not the big name with, you know, Cam Hayward and Stephon Tewitt and TJ Watt, but he's a very underrated player, and that's a really good re-sign by the, by the Steelers. And you know what? If, if, that's what? if that's what he wants, you know, like, that's why it's tough to report these things until the name is signed on the dotted line. Yeah, especially with that tampering period and all of that. I mean, it, those are usually foregone conclusions as those deals come through. But every once in a while, there's a thing like this that pops up, and that's that's where it goes. But to your point, yeah, I, I thought it was a good signing, especially when they thought he was, you know, he was gone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, you know, uh, good signing by them. And then, you know, I don't want to go too far into this, but in case anyone hasn't heard, Chase Claypool was involved in a bar brawl, bar scuffle. Apparently he kicked a person while they were on the ground, something like that. The video is on TMZ. Not going to play that. But this is from Behind the Steel Curtain, our sister site or brother site from the uh, within the SB Nation network. And they're kind of, you know, the uh, 
the tone they're using is, you know, it's kind of like, well, you're on thin ice, but not something to just ship you off here, obviously, depending on what happens with the league, et cetera. But, um, you know, it's not something that really seems to be uh, in his, it's not a regular thing in his character, at least. But, you know, if it becomes something, I think they would be more concerned than John. I'm sure Bengals fans are running with this regardless because it's the Steelers player just getting in trouble. Um, yeah, I mean, he's he was really young coming into the league. I think he was like 21. So he's, you know, in that same age range as Juju Smith-Schuster was when he first ascended. So, you know, uh, I, hope it, I hope it works out for him. But, you know, no, no, no real judgments on that until we hear something more concrete. Yeah. The did you think did you think the Cincinnati Bengals had interest in Sammy Watkins, John? Do you think there was even a, a you know? I think they reached out. I think I think someone said that they reached out, and then Watkins is like, uh, "Yeah, I'm just looking for opportunities elsewhere," which is more or less like you know they were interested in bringing him as a complimentary piece, and he wanted to be a starter, and it, it appears that he found that opportunity. Yeah. And maybe, maybe to your point earlier, you know, if the Bengals are kind of open about the Jamar, Jamar Chase situation, you know, maybe that's something that's in the back of a veteran receiver's mind. And, you know, it's, it's funny. You and I joked about Sammy Watkins. It's like, he feels like he's been in the league for a decade and, you know, he's been on all these teams, you know, three teams or something. And you kind of feel like, gosh, this guy's got to be like 33 years old right now. What is he? 27, 28 years old. I mean, he's still got yeah, he's still got a lot of a lot of years left in him, theoretically. I mean, I know there's been injuries and whatnot, but, um, you know, when he's healthy, he can play, and he's landed with the Ravens, so he's going to join that group and be a part of Baltimore. Does that, does that bother you? Do you expect big things in that offense or just because of kind of the RPO run-centric offense that they run that he still may be limited statistically in that offensive system? Well, we think Watkins is 30 years old because I, I feel like after every injury, we just like add another year on to, um, to a player's age. Yeah. Um, just like, you know, it would shock people if like if they knew that Tyler Eifert wasn't like in his mid 30s already. Um, so like that's the whole thing with Watkins. Can he stay healthy? Can he stay on the field? If he's in that more limited role and he's only out there for a certain percentage of snaps a game, he can absolutely still give you a boost. Like the Chiefs will attest to the fact that he was a critical component in winning that Super Bowl. But it does speak a little bit of volumes when he's out there as a free agent and the Chiefs have no interest in retaining him after they lost, I think, a receiver to in free agency. So, you know, at, at this point, it's it's just a risk, which is why he's on a one-year deal with some incentives as well. But the Ravens are really desperate for a receiver. Like, this entire free agency period, they, ne- they never get a shot at um, Allen Robinson. They tried to bring in Kenny Galladay for a one-year deal like the Bengals did, but obviously they weren't going to be able to compete with a long-year deal, long-term deal that he got with the Giants. So I think from their standpoint, you know, they may not be comfortable with the receiver class at where their point at where they're going to draft in the first round. So I, I assume that it was it was walk-ins or basically nothing for them. Yeah, they'll probably add another in the draft. I would assume just to to get some extra explosiveness potentially. I was going to save this for Kenneth here, but he had to take off. Just real quick, Packers are high on Iowa wide receiver Amir Smith Marset, a guy getting a little bit more buzz. Um, uh, and I think some people have talked maybe a potential, uh, maybe through mock drafts and whatnot, you know, potential guy for the Bengals as well later in the draft, but you can see uh, a breakout season in 2019 when he finished with 44 catches, 722 yards and 10 total touchdowns. Not exactly. I was not exactly known as a, a super explosive offense, at least not passing offense, but interesting kid here. Uh, Amir Smith, Marset. Uh, is he the one that the Bengals met with at his pro day? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, the receiver class is deep. Like I, I think PFF and like Dane Berger both said like the most, the deepest position groups in this draft are offensive line and receiver. And it kind of explains why the Bengals weren't exactly active in either of those positions. Yep. Yep. Let's go mock draft Monday, I guess. Uh, we've talked about a few. This is, a four round, I think it's four rounds from Chad uh, Chad Rutter of NFL.com. I'm just going to show you the third round pick, which I thought was really interesting because Marvin Wilson tested pretty um, average, pretty below average in terms of a lot of different metrics. And the Bengals seem to not like that profile in, in interior defensive linemen. They liked it, the guys that kind of maybe don't have necessarily the stats, but they test very well. They show a lot of different athleticism. Am I wrong in saying that, John? 
No, not at all. And I don't know about you, but I don't really follow Florida State that much ever since you know Jimbo left. But even I knew who Marvin Wilson was, being right. a five-star recruit out of like the 2018 recruiting class or whatever. Like he's he's been a name for a long time, and has never really established himself as that dominating presence. And unfortunately, that's how it goes with some five-star recruits. But I still think that he's draftable. He still he still has those dominant flashes, and I think that intrigues the Bengals. And now with that lackluster testing profile, you may see that pick in their sweet spot for defensive lineman right in the fourth or fifth round, which it would make sense. I feel like round three is a little bit early. Like you said, like they might opt to take someone with a little bit more upside in terms of, in terms of athleticism there. Yeah. I, I just, I looked at that today and I was going, Oh wow. Especially just based on what I knew from the testing profile, a couple more to get to, and we're going to bounce on out of here. Uh, appreciate your time, John. I know you're a busy guy and, Appreciate Kenneth coming on the program, talking about symbol. That was a lot of fun talking about that. Let's go to Daniel Jeremiah's top 50 here. Just uh, I, I kind of want to just share this link with our listeners. I don't want to go through it, but, you know, he's got Trevor Lawrence as his number one. Kyle Pitts is his number two player. He had him. He bumped him up a spot. Jamar Chase, he has. Basically, he flip-flopped Kyle Pitts, mm-hmm. Jamar Chase, and, uh, you know, Zach Wilson. Jalen Waddle moving up and rounding out his top five. So go check that out. What do you think about some of those numbers there, John? So I think the main thing, the main takeaway is that like Jeremiah is the, is the one guy that's not as high on Panay Sewell as most other draft Knicks, if you will. But everybody is really high on Jamar Chase, which kind of tells you, I think, what most of the league feels about this. There, there are elite pass catchers that will round out the top 10 and the offensive linemen, the top prospects there, it's it's a little bit more closer, and, and there might not be one that's really separating themselves from others. And that's the nature with Panay Sewell. Like, he was this extremely hyped-up guy, and he he's, to a certain point, he's worth that hype. But it's not the, the case where Jamar chases, and he's like this bona fide 1A type of receiver. And I think... I think with um, with Jeremiah's types of rankings, like you're seeing that the floor in terms of where teams have Chase, that's probably higher than where teams have Sewell. Not not necessarily saying that Sewell is not a special prospect in his own mind, but if you were to compare the ceilings, they would both be really high. And if you were to compare the floors, I think Chase is a little bit higher than Sewell, which is why yeah. you kind of see what this conversation is going to right now. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a fair assessment. This one may be a little bit more applicable. This is from Greg Rosenthal on NFL.com. The best free agents available, at least applicable more for more immediate pur- purposes. You know, ranking their rankings, Jadavian Clowney, Mitchell Schwartz, obviously effective player, just coming off some injury stuff, back issues. I think I saw some things with him rehabbing. So, um, you know, he's still kind of in the midst of that. He is 32 years old. You've got Justin Houston, also 32 years old, an edge player, Melvin Ingram up there in age. And some of these guys, John, I think they're going to be looking for jobs and up until you know shortly after the draft. These may be guys. Richard Sherman's still out there at 33 years old. You know, these may be guys that get picked up. At least some of them after the draft, when teams don't get some of the players or position groups that maybe they they feel that they wanted to with their picks, they go and they say, okay, let's get a short term rental option here with one of these guys. Right, and I I really do wonder if the Bengals are just on pins and needles waiting for more cuts to happen. I don't know how many more like notable cuts are going to happen, but right now they're projected to get a fourth round compensatory pick for Carl Lawson. And if they sign a UFA of any kind that that would basically negate that at that point, as long as it's like over like a million or so in terms of total value. So I wonder if they're just waiting for that type of free agent. And if they aren't like the, the Bengals right now only have 63 players, they're going to draft like eight or 10. They're going to sign 10 free agents out, out of college. Like they need to eventually they would probably prefer to get to 90. So they're going to add like some more players in free agency. It's just a matter of when and if it's players who are cut or they're just going to scrap the whole compensatory pick idea. Well, I guess we could end the show on a real high note, which is the NFL power rankings, Dan Hansis of NFL.com. And look where we got the Bengals after, you know, this is gauging after, what teams have done with their free agency period. They were 29th and somehow the Bengals fell a spot to 30th of 32 teams, according to their arbitrary rankings of <laughs> teams in the NFL at this point. Um, you know, that's, I don't know what you think of that, but that's where the national perspective, at least in some camps have the Bengals at this point. Well, it matches symbol right, right at 30 <laughs> points. So right. hey guys, it's a good product. Definitely check it out. <laughs> 
Yep. <laughs> there's, there's definitely some weight behind it. Absolutely. And that is probably a good place to end it. We've gone a little long today, but it was an awesome show because, John, you, you carried us, and we had Kenneth Giles also on talking about Symbol. Go download the application on your, you know, your phone, your iPad, whatever. Go download the app. Get involved. It's a different way to be involved in kind of sports fantasy football type of realm. It's a really cool product. And, um, you know, we're going to have him on again, but we're excited to be partnering with them. They are offering a $10 credit if you sign up as you as you go and, and get started with things. And you can go buy stock, so to speak, in the Cincinnati Bengals. Really cool product, John. Absolutely. I'm very excited to announce, officially announce this partnership. It's been a couple of weeks in the making, but you'll definitely you'll definitely hear about, about it more as as the year goes on. Absolutely. Well, thanks, John. Everybody have a good week. We'll be back at it Wednesday night to talk some Bengals analysis, all that good stuff. And have a good week. This has been the Water Cooler Chat. See you later. What does it take to be an entrepreneur, and how is it changing in our ever-evolving business landscape? This is Scott Galloway, host of the Prop G Podcast, and an entrepreneur myself. Right now, we've got a special three-part series running all about the future of entrepreneurship. We're answering your questions on work-life balance, how to raise capital for your business, and more. Because when you're an entrepreneur, it's always important to look ahead at what's to come. So tune in to the Future of Entrepreneurship, a Prop G Pod special sponsored by Mercury. You can find it on the Prop G pod feed or wherever you get your podcasts.